welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Yes. Hello! Oh! It is the 23rd of October, 2013. The chocolate sticking in my mouth. Good gracious. Wow. That's what you get for eating chocolate before we record. Yes, uh, yes. Chocolate and caramel. So. And caramel. Caramel and keeps your, basically your, your mouth all sticky, and the chocolate is supposed to be not great for your vocal cords. Yeah, well... I'm also having caramel in the Coca-Cola I'm drinking, too. This is not a common occurrence, folk. Well, I've heard that George Carlin was told by an opera singer that a good thing for your voice, if you need a quick fix, is flat, warm Coca-Cola. Hmm. You're not having it flat. It's not warm, either. Also, the caramel in the Coca-Cola isn't quite as sticky Caramelly as... Caramelly as the Twix, yeah. I'm... Uh, yes, this is product placement, but we're not getting paid, so no, no, no fears. No, we, we never get paid. Yes, we're not being paid by Big Sugar. <laughs> I, being a fat man, pay Big Sugar. <laughs> so, it is episode 133 of The Skeptic Wire, the 23rd of October, 2013. Yay! Yay! I'm your host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week is... Greg Perrine. scary. We don't know where Donna is. What happened to Donna? She's in hell. Well, she did send us a very alarmed message about midday today saying, holy shit, I have to renew my li driver's license by tomorrow. I'm off to the DMV, and we haven't heard from her since. This is true. Well, you know, Texas is very picky about that because they will hunt you down the day after your driver's license is due. But apparently not send you a reminder. No, this is this is the state of personal responsibility. After all, yeah. I'm particularly worried because she said she's off to the DMV, demilitarize. Oh, <laughs> no. yeah, V. But in Texas, there's a different agency that does driver's licenses that is not the DMV. So I'm, yes, it's TxDOT actually. Yeah, so uh, I'm worried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Texas is doing some interesting things. They have a new thing I found out for drivers. For tags, uh, sorry, not tags. Uh, what are those things called? License plates? No, freaking tags. The, for, the inspection the tags. stickers and well, the inspection yeah. sticker. You you go to like a oil change place. Your registration sticker, you mean? Registration. So, but yeah, but your registration for your license plate. You can go to TxDOT or the DMV or whatever, or you can go to these snazzy new drive-through places where you can pay your registration, and they only charge. 15 to 30 dollars above the cost of your plates yeah <laughs> so maybe we should monetize the podcast just to get ourselves the hell out of texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah not a bad idea except except then we wouldn't come up with such wonderful well we'd have to move up to like bachmanville or whatever so that we could uh <laughs> we could have something to talk about I mean, if we move to Ca well if we move to california we'd have lots of stuff to talk about but like oklahoma yeah. well oklahoma would be pretty bad too tornadoes and people arizona who... um they're pretty gun nuts but well there's also pretty wooey you know sedona and the turquoise thing well that's true and they've, they've got the the powerpoints the vortexes right. there pretty much any state you go to there's going to be 
some woo of some sort. Yeah. North Dakota is conspiracy, and mm-hmm. as is Montana. Hmm. You never hear about Rhode Island except for people against atheists. Which would be kind of woo-based. What about Maine? <laughs> New uh, England? Maine? That's where Stephen King is from. Yeah, but he's kind of science. There's got to be a reason he comes with up. up, up <laughs> there's got to be a reason he comes up with all those supernatural stories. What about uh, South Carolina? You never hear about South Carolina. Uh, is that the hiking the Appalachian Trail oh, idiot? South South Dakota? Um, no one cares about South Dakota. <laughs> My point exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the conspiracies come out of because it's an empty state that no one goes into and it's a conspiracy. <laughs> you have to worry about Idaho because all the eyes and the potatoes are staring at you. This is true. Very true. Anyway. So But the important thing is that my home state of New Jersey is now doing gay marriages. Yay. <laughs> what the hell was that sarcastic yay? I don't know. <laughs> You just wanted to move on and didn't like that I interrupted you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I No, because I have nothing to say about gay marriage in New Jersey. Because You're back. away for two weeks and you come back I come all back, snarky. And... Oh, oh, yes. Yes. I'm so much snarkier than I normally am. <laughs> You've been saving it up. I have been saving you it up. You didn't find a way to um, self-massage your way into... Getting rid of some of that snark. I don't bring myself massaging to the podcast. <laughs> I am sure at some point during the 133 episodes of the show that we have talked about self-massage at some point. Perhaps, but yeah, not right now. Not right now. That's Certainly true. not following gay marriage in New Jersey talk. <laughs> well, you, sir, are a racist. <laughs> am I? Yes. Uh, speaking about racism... Uh, I, I bought some <laughs> scratch-off cards. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Racism th- sounded like a good idea at the time. Is that what you're saying, Gary? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I uh, for, for Halloween, since it's our Halloween episode, I bought some $1 scratch-off cards for us. And you chose the green one. Yes, I did. Find and- the nines. <laughs> Though it could be upside down, it could be find the sixes. It could be Denif, Denif, uh, six, sixth at Denif. Yeah, something <laughs> about druids. But yeah, yeah, druids. And so I also have a of a holiday cheer one, which is Christmas. It has little Christmas bulbs on it, which I'm going to give the let that that'll be Donna's. Okay, we're going to scratch it off for her, and then I'm going to rub my own out here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the weekly half brand. <laughs> what was that about? Not talking about self massage. I was like, I, I, I didn't read the name of this before. I did. It's the weekly half grand. <laughs> rubbing that one out tonight. Um, we're gonna do it live on air. <laughs> well, okay. The interesting part is that Gary handed me this card, and I thought to myself. This is going to be the first time I have ever done any lottery-based yeah, thing I've, I've ever never, in my I've entire life. I've never purchased life. one myself. I, in fact, when I went in there, I was like, uh, give me three of the $1 thingies. <laughs> <laughs> so he hands this to me, and I says, okay, find the nines. Okay, what am I supposed to do here? So I'm reading the instructions, and it's saying, you know, you re- reveal three matching amounts in play area and blah, 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 and you go along there. And I'm just trying to figure out, 
how the hell this is supposed to work? <laughs> and, and I am a college educated person. <laughs> Gary is a graduate school student. Donna, if she was here, has a doctorate. <laughs> and yet it's not entirely clear of the six spaces on this scratcher. Do you scratch off all reveal six? three re matching amounts or do you re scratch off all six and see if three of them match or I it's, it's not clear. It's not clear, and and you had a perfect comment on the idea that we spent five minutes trying to figure out how the <laughs> thing is supposed to fucking work. Yeah, my comment was, you know, they sold these to idiots, so it's probably just scratch the whole damn thing off. <laughs> the whole fucking front of the thing. <laughs> right. All the instructions are gone. Uh, with, with all due respect to idiots. I'm going to scratch off Donna's, so here we go. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm using a quarter to do it. Ten, two, five. I don't think we're getting there. One, forty, three thousand. I think she lost. Or rather, I lost her. I'm at, I'm at a dollar. <laughs> yeah, none of them reveal a gift symbol. Uh, presumably that you have to have all, they have to have three matching. I don't know. Okay. I'll read the instructions later. Let me give this find the nines a try. That does remind me that I was researching today's birthdays and looking up the date, October 23rd, and uh, did realize that there are 69 days until the end of the year, and my inner 14-year-old kind of chuckled at that. Oh, well, so, it's also Mole Day. Yes. So it's 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 interesting that I get to find the nines on the day there's 69 days there the left go. in the year. Such irony. And I am scratching. I am scratching. And this is not really coming off very easily. <laughs> really? This must have been sitting around for a while. Yeah, it's possible. I got them at the local Valero. So what'd you get? Anything? Uh, uh, no. Essentially, you're supposed to have three matching amounts. Yeah. And you win that amount. Yeah. There's a one, there's a 50, there's a three, there's a 50, there's a three, there's a two. So, no. No. <laughs> All right. And now I'm going to do mine weekly half grand. Oh, now I get it. The whole nines thing, if in addition to the numbers that you were scratching to try to match either 50, 50, 50 or whatever, uh -huh. if you get the nine symbol, you get a bonus. Oh. I see. Now it makes more sense once I have committed to scratching the whole damn thing. Yes. So mine is I could win $500 per week for 20 years. All right. Let's go. I've got two dollars. I may have won two dollars. There's twenty. Oh, there's two. There's fifty. I think I won two dollars. Of the three dollars you spent on these tickets. Yep. Awesome. And I may have just scratched out something that says it's void. <laughs> And this, ladies and gentlemen, ends <laughs> our first foray into scratch-off gambling. And last. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do we have a birthday? It, yeah, it, it, it does. Well, just a little less. It, it's funny to me that people like us who are trying to be skeptical and all that thing are so very unlikely to do these kind of get-rich-quick schemes yeah. of scratchers or the lottery or when you go to Vegas, we're much more likely to go try to see shows and, yeah. as opposed to dump $10,000 on a craps table or something. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was, 
it's kind of fun. And for me, someone who doesn't have a lot of other vices like smoking or alcohol, it's a safe way to curiously find out what it's like to do it without actually plunging into <laughs> depravity. And generally speaking, this is exactly what you get when you actually go gambling. Although, to be fair, Blackjack, for example, has favorable odds. So, and give him my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> He's a poor college student. <laughs> All right, so do we, do we have any birthdays today? Yes, yes, we do. There are three, well, okay, two today and one tomorrow that are kind of big-ish skeptical names. Uh, the two that are today, you know. Okay. You know their names. I'm going to go with the oldest one first, who is unfortunately dead. Born October 23rd, 1925. Carl Sagan. No, but, no, but <laughs> new Carl Sagan. Oh. Carl uh, Sagan was on his show quite a few times. Uh, James Randi? No. No, we already had yeah, But he's, also he's earlier. close. Yeah. James Randi was also on his show quite a few times. So, uh, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson, yes. Yeah, there we go. Born yeah. today, 1925. He, I think he started out in Iowa and stuff and, and tried to do some basic hosting stuff. And people found him funny enough that he eventually got the hosting gig that he did on The Tonight Show for some you know, 30-some years, something like that. Yep. And and if, and if you think that television is so lascivious now, you really should go watch some <laughs> some old Tonight Show stuff. He didn't cuss, but the innuendo yeah. was definitely there between him and all of his guests. So. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But yes, mostly skeptically known because he had James Randi on his show several times for exposés of... Psychic Healing and Peter Popoff. And it's rumored that he is the, that Johnny Carson is the guy behind the million dollar prize. I've heard that as well, but I've also heard that said, well, no, he's not, but no. he could be. Yeah, but it hasn't been revealed. Yeah. And certainly while he was alive, he. He was definitely a big supporter yeah. in name, if if not in finances, but I think he also help support in general the James Randi Education Foundation. Oh, he Foundation. loved it. I mean, he yeah. loved revealing Pop-Off and getting your Uri Geller. All the Uri Geller yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. So. Um, That's some pretty cool, uh, cool old television. <laughs> yes. He died at the age of 79 in 2005, and mm -hmm. um, I believe he lived a rich and full life. I would say he did, yes, yeah. as well. The second person is also a TV personality. Hmm. An electrical engineer. Hmm. But probably doesn't do electrical engineering. Yes, he does. Oh, he does. Do the words Jeff Peterson mean anything to you? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was my big clue. Really? Yep. But he's, uh, on, he's on television. He's on television. And he does do a lot of electrical engineering work to test stuff. Is he on Mythbusters? Yes, he is. Then it must be Imahara? Yes, Grant Imahara. Jeff Peterson is a robotic sidekick that oh. Grant Imahara built for Craig Ferguson. For Craig Ferguson, yeah. Late, okay. late show. I didn't know the guy's name. The robot's name. The yeah. little skeletal robot. So the, the reason why I said Jeff Peterson and tied that in is because 
he built a sidekick for a talk show, kind of like Johnny Carson had his sidekick, and it's all kind of tied in together and all that fun stuff. But yes, Grant Imahara, one of the Mythbusters, born October 23rd, 1970, and he is still alive, at least as of the recording of this podcast. Yay! <laughs> And finally, last but not least, a giant in skeptical circles, born tomorrow, October 24th. He's born in the future? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, has a birthday tomorrow, October 24th. Ah, okay. Anything more than big in the skeptical circuit? Uh, Very important to us. Tim Minchin. <laughs> more important. More important to us in particular. Yes. Uh, Donna? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Donna's, Donna's birthday is tomorrow, and unfortunately, she's either trapped in the DMV or still sick from last week or catching up on all the work she missed from last week because she was out sick. Yeah. Happy birthday, Donna. Happy birthday, Donna. <laughs> you, sir, are a racist. Uh, okay. Yes, I, I do run sometimes, and sometimes against other people. So those are the birthdays of today. Short and sweet, because I knew you would guess them pretty quickly. So, Yay! Happy birthday, Johnny Carson, even though you're dead. Happy birthday, Grant Imahara, even though we don't know you. And happy birthday, Donna, even though you're not here. Suddenly, the birthdays have become maudlin. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um, I guess then we'll we'll start with the... With the stuff now, shall we? Yes, the, the well, uh, what the hell? Birthday is one of our regular <laughs> segments. It's been <laughs> that way for a year and a half. Nice try there, Gary. Yeah, I'm talking like news kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, the next official segment that we usually do, Gary. <laughs> well, you know, I was out for a week and I've forgotten everything. <laughs> <laughs> that bodes well for your grad school career. Well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we had a quiz that was over homework that we turned. We turned the homework on last Thursday, and then the, the quiz was Tuesday, and it's basically over the homework. And so the professor gave us the solution to the homework, and I looked at the homework, and for three of the six problems, which I know I did, and I know I did properly, I couldn't remember having done them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't remember doing this. And so it took me a while to remember that I, in fact, one, did it, and two, that I, in fact, did it the way that Most people shown. in college are blacking out for completely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to see a neurologist on that one. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Okay. So. Someone else who should see a neurologist, because we're going to do our Whack-A-Meme segment here, which Donna usually does, but since she's not here, I'm going to take a first whack at the Whack-A-Memes. A couple weeks ago, I think it was the 18th of October, which was not a couple weeks ago. That was just a few days ago. <laughs> that would be last week. Wow, I really do need to see a neurologist. <laughs> I posted a story on our Facebook page that was headlined, Michelle Bachman wants to ban Halloween, stating, Sucking on Satan's candy leads to liberalism. <laughs> and it's a story about how she says the holiday of Halloween is based on Satanism, it's a pagan ritual to worship Satan, to call him forth. And the liberal elites have done it so you all we all become socialists and it's the end days and we have to purify our nation, blah, 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 blah. This is from a website called freewoodpost.com. 
And and what does the freewoodpost.com say about themselves? Yes, there is a big banner across the top of the website that says news that's almost reliable. Okay. So it is a satire site in the vein of the onion, the lapine, I think, or the lapine or whatever. It's got the rabbit. The rabbit one. Freewood Post, totally satirical, all made up just to make fun of people. Like the main story on the page right now is Christian Broadcasting Network's Pat Robertson caught with dino porn. (laughs) And it's got a heavily photoshopped picture of a scantily clad woman with a T-Rex in the background. Awesome. So, yes. Purely satirical, and I posted this to our Facebook page, and I thought someone was kind of fooled by that, but maybe I'm remembering wrong. Hmm. You know, just exercise my skeptical muscles of, we have bad memories as people, so maybe I'm remembering something else entirely. Yeah, I I seem to recall someone having posted about this article, but I honestly can't say whether it was ours, because I saw about five different people post this. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to say who posted where responding commenting to what now most people on facebook who posted the actual article itself either they got it or someone very quickly posted on the comments for that posting on facebook that oh there's a satire site just so you know blah 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 and most people got that the unfortunate part is that a couple days after this story was going around facebook Someone decided to turn this into a meme where they took a picture of the staring crazy eyes of Michelle Bachman and posted the idea of Michelle Bachman wants to ban Halloween because it is sucking on Satan's candy, something sack. like that. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, sucking on ca- Satan's candy, candy sacks. sacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hilarious. But without attributing it to the Freewood post uh, on the meme itself, it may have been in the description below, but not the meme itself. Not in the picture. And people were completely poed by that. And I went and found the Freewood Post, actual original article, and I posted on the people who posted on that said, this is a satire site. There's bad enough that Michelle Bachman has plenty of regular crazy. We don't have to add to her crazy. (laughs) Right. So, yes, if you see that meme going around, go to Freewood Post, post the article on the comment section for that meme, and help skepticism a little bit. And, and, And it's the kind of skepticism spreading that is not deemed as being an asshole. Like when your friend says, oh, I'm going for my acupuncture appointment, and you start typing, well, you know, it's acupuncture is placebo and blah, blah, blah. And people start getting aggressive and defensive against you. But if you point out that a story is just satire, they'll say, oh, I got fooled. Well, silly me. And they move on. Yes, this is true. We can laugh and we can enjoy the satire. But it's important that people don't start actually believing this stuff. I mean, politicians recently have been saying stuff that have been long since been debunked by various things. And to keep things in the popular discourse as being as factual as possible while enjoying the satire around it, I think is is quite important. Yeah, it's kind of like how when you're on Facebook, sometimes you really want a font that says sarcasm. You also want some sort of font or obvious indicator that this was something satirical. I mean, the, exactly. the winking smiley just doesn't do it justice. Right. And for example, another sort of whack a meme thing, because it is our Halloween. Ooh. Or is it Halloween? Oh, go suck on Satan's candy sack. <laughs> there are a couple of postings about GMO free candy. 
Uh-huh. And that's fine. Okay, genetically modified organisms. First of all, uh, candy doesn't grow on trees. So generally speaking, <laughs> not really genetically modified. However, the big fear now is that genetically modified sugar beets are okay. getting into our food supply. And therefore, our candy is made from modified sugar beets. Now, okay, Gary, listeners huh? hate it when anybody eats on a podcast. Okay, well, I'm excepting right. maybe Mike and Tom eat snacks, which is the point is to listen to them eating a right. snack. But well, I'm I'm gonna read. Oh, I'm gonna he's read the, with uh, the caramel and the chocolate again. We'll be lost for five minutes while he chews uh, like no, a I'm, horse, I'm, like Mister Ed. I'm, I'm eating a Twix. And it's milk chocolate and sugar and cocoa butter and chocolate, skim milk and lactose. Ooh. Milk fat and blah, 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 blah. And notice that it doesn't say it's dolphin safe. <laughs> Is that something people were asking for on the meme? No. Okay. This site, the naturalcandystore.com, under slash category slash GMO free candy, it says, what are GMOs? GMO stands for genetically modified organism. And that's where the truth ends. Sort of. (laughs) Using a technique called gene splicing, this biotechnology combines genes from different species, including plants, animals, bacteria, and or viruses to produce desired characteristics. Okay, we can deal with that. Most corn and soybeans, among other crops, are now grown from GMO seeds. Not all, but some certainly. Since so many food ingredients are derived from corn and soy, the majority of our processed food supply contains GMOs. Okay. What's wrong with GMOs? This is hilarious. This actually made me laugh. Increased use of agricultural chemicals. Okay. Fertilizers, I guess? Exactly. Okay. Roundup, that sort of thing. Oh. Oh, we'll get to Roundup? Okay. It's in the next sentence. Most (laughs) GMOs grown today are designed to resist herbicides like Roundup, so more chemicals can be applied without killing the food crop. This increases the chemical load in our environment and food supply. Argument ad uh, Monsantum. <laughs> it is, but GMOs are not designed to resist herbicides like Roundup. GMOs are made to increase the yield. They're trying to reduce the amount of pesticides and herbicides because it's expensive. Right. And the, the weeds quickly build up an immunity toward it. Bugs are another thing, so they're trying to build crops that bugs do not like to eat. So the statement, most GMOs grown today are designed to resist herbicides like Roundup, um, I just realized... There, there are I plants just, out there that I, are... I just realized dis- what they're trying to say is that so more chemicals can be applied without killing the food crop. That's not quite true. They're not doing that for that reason. Exactly. That's the biggest problem right there because there are... Some plants that are designed to be Roundup resistant, Mm -hmm. and that means that they can still apply Roundup to a plant and not kill the food plant, but get rid of the weeds. But that also means that they can use less invasive, less destructive chemicals and just less of them because they don't need to splash on quite as much. And it's kind of like the idea of when people are talking about using organic natural fertilizers like manure or something – when you're using chemical fertilizers, you have to use a lot less because it's more concentrated, more targeted on the chemicals that they're putting out on the ground for the plants to grow and be all fluffy. But 
when you use manure or old style fertilizers, you have to dump it on and just there's lots of fillers and contaminants and there's more that you have to do. And it's also more expensive, which means little Jimmy who wants to buy an apple at the grocery store goes starving that day. Wow, that went negative real quickly. <laughs> really negative, yeah. So I, I realized I just I, I had read that a little bit wrong with what they were trying to say. But the, the, well, they do use a lot of shifty language to basically yeah. scare the hell out of you with the Frankenstein. That's, that, that's exactly the point. Is they're trying to scare? You. Oh my God, they're dumping stuff on it. Like no, they're trying not to do that. Exactly. So I just thought that that was kind of a hilarious scare tactic, rather than being honest about what what they are. It's interesting that they're not really focusing on the fructose corn syrup issue. Yeah. That they've turned it around into the beet sugar, which is supposed to be a better alternative for the natural folks to use beet sugar or cane sugar even instead of fructose corn syrup, which some of these other plants are – okay, besides the fact that virtually everything we have domesticated is genetically modified from what its yes. natural form was. Beyond all that, it's – it. Anyway, we yeah. talk about GMOs all the time. Exactly. So uh, another site, when I did a search for GMO-free candy, is <laughs> foodbabe.com. Does it uh, have women with food on them? Food well, it does babe? have a female whose name apparently is Vanny. Okay. And she's the food babe. And she's uh, on the page that I'm, I'm looking at, she's holding forth a cup of green substance. Probably liquefied substance. Soylent. Yeah. She has a page that says, Boycott brands that use GMOs. And it has all your favorite GMO candy, like Hershey's, M&M, Snickers, blah, 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 blah. And then it has a non-GMO candy alternative. Endangered species organic chocolate. That really doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Sometimes these products are named for... Because they're trying to raise money to protect endangered species, like oh, okay. rainforest whatsoever, right. panda raspberry is used to buy back for Twizzlers. rainforest plots and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yummy Earth organic gummy bears, which uh, I like gummy bears. I yeah. don't often eat them, but for whatever reason, that one caught my eye. Because first of all, if if gummy anything... bears are not organic. There's if anything is highly processed, it's a gummy bear. <laughs> it's a gummy bear, exactly. So, so the safety warning is gluten-free, tree nut-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and nut-free. Except for the nut bags. But no, never mind. Um, <laughs> ingredients, organic Satan's rice nut sacks, syrup. Apparently. <laughs> Satan's nut sacks. Full of evil. <laughs> Concentrated evil. Organic cane sugar, organic carrot juice. They have carrot juice in these. Yummy. Organic aronia juice, organic black currant. So everything's natural flavor. Yay. Citric acid, ascorbic acid, which I don't think it's a preservative, but whatever. It's interesting because most of the time preservative. These, the complaint I hear from natural types about gummy foods is that because it's a gelatin, it's made with horse hooves or some mm. urban myth or something like that. Yeah. So apparently it's not vegan. This is true. Because I didn't hear meat animal cruelty free or anything like that. Uh, That's kind of the problem with the whole labeling movement from organic to does not contain GMOs is you can just slap a label on so many different things and it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. 
But and it makes you feel good. Exactly. And you just slap on all these labels that... And, and we, had, we had talked about this a couple of... Well, quite a few episodes ago about GMOs and how organically raised crops, in fact, use more pesticides than non-organic crops. Yeah, I just Be- mentioned that 10 minutes ago. Did you mention about the organic yes. stuff? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to graduate. <laughs> You're declining rather quickly in the last 20 minutes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we posted something about Alzheimer's and had to tell if you have Alzheimer's, and I don't remember. So you kind of had the WebMD effect of it was reminding you of yourself. All you know is that you someone posted about Alzheimer's. Yeah, you don't know if you read about it or not, and now you think you have Alzheimer's. Exactly. I don't remember that. Who are you? <laughs> I did a real quick search on gelatin alternatives. Number one source for gelatin alternatives is PETA. That's uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals and not people eating tasty animals. Exactly. The first sentence in Gelatin Alternatives is, and I quote, It's probably no coincidence that gelatin rhymes with skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's exactly what it is. Animal bones, animal with animal skin, hooves, tendons, ligaments, and cartilage all boiled together into a goo that's added to all kinds of candy and baked goods. According to PETA. I don't have a problem <laughs> with gelatin coming from animal bones and tendons and whatever. No. It's all more along the lines of the old adage about Native Americans using every part of the animal. Otherwise, it would all go to waste. Except, of course, that they don't use the bones from dead animals. <laughs> they take the bones out of living animals and then just drape them over They a set them out on the streets with a little dolly and ask them to beg yeah, for beg. money. Yeah, yeah, they just, they just drape them, drape them over and then... That explains why you see a whole lot of wibbly-wobbly cows rolling around New York City. Time! They take it out of time! Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff! (laughs) Anyway, we've gone way off. Yes. So, GMO candy, ridiculous. It's just just ridiculous. Because candy in and of itself, first of all, is a conglomeration of all kinds of things. And to be afraid of, I don't know, beets... It just—it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like they're trying to poison us. Yes, exactly. Well, that's certainly what the GMO people think, and that works well with our Halloween-themed episode. Halloween! <laughs> this is horrible. We're <laughs> 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 going to suck blood. I don't drink GMOs. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are people trying to poison us? Well, that's the thing. Other than GMOs. In general, people aren't. Oh, people aren't? Yes. Really? So basically, since I was a kid, the idea of going trick-or-treating on Halloween has also been associated with, you got to be careful. People are out there to get you. Sure. I always heard stories in the 80s of, you got to be careful of apples because they might have razor blades in them or needles. Except the fact that nobody fucking gave out apples anymore. I don't know what was up with that. But... Also, you're supposed to worry about your candy. Well, you know, I want to say before we go on, Halloween, the original Halloween, was released in 1978. And I think that's where a lot of these memes started from. I mean, there was always the the rumor of that. But at at the beginning of Halloween, spoiler alert, a kid is bitten into a candy apple and it had a razor in it. And that, as far as I know, I remember 
discussing this a while ago, and uh, this has been debunked, and this has never happened. Right. Halloween the movie destroyed Halloween for kids. Pretty much. It's not. It's not a fact that that actually happened. Right. But there have been incidents that happened. But the idea that there are strangers out there poisoning your candy. Mm-hmm. People have looked through decades and decades of news stories, and Snopes.com has a dozen or two different incidents listed on their site about Halloween poisonings that tell the tale that, long story short, too late, I know, (laughs) that most of the time, Halloween poisonings are either misattributed pranks, say some kid was saying, oh, this would be kind of funny to tell mom that my Halloween candy was poisoned and tastes kind of funny, Mm -hmm. and it gets blown out of proportion, And then they don't have to go to school the next day. There was a story about some woman who basically got annoyed that older teenagers kept trick-or-treating. So for the teenagers, she would put together these little bags of a steel wool (laughs) and buttons, little kind of sugar buttons, but they were marked poison with skull and crossbones. (laughs) um, And all that kind of stuff where she gave those to the teenagers saying, you shouldn't be trick-or-treating anymore. Here's poison for you. Ha, ha, ha. A nod and a wink. But she still actually got in trouble for it and got charged with endangering children. But she wasn't actually trying to poison anybody. The most famous incident of someone trying to poison a child is Ronald Clark O'Brien, who essentially decided that his eight-year-old boy had life insurance on him. So he decided to poison him. (laughs) Nice guy. He poisoned a pixie stick's sampler or whatever you want to call it with cyanide and gave one to his kid his boy and a couple other kids just to kind of cover it up so it wasn't obvious kind of like the uh, whole tylenol poisoning yeah similar thing yeah the same kind of story is is mentioned in the same breath and essentially he was just trying to kill his own kid to get the life insurance it was not a stranger danger people are trying to kill neighborhood kids kind of thing it's along the lines of Most of these stories, either a specific child was being targeted because of some crazy adult, or it was a prank gone wrong, like what I mentioned before, or it was a coincidence. So there have been some kids who dropped dead of a congenital heart attack while trick-or-treating, and the police went mad. They would close down the entire block where the kid was on. They would confiscate all the candy, dump it out test it all, burn it, or whatever, only to find out that it's, one, none of the candy tested positive for anything, or two, it was a congenital heart defect, and they found out in autopsy that it had nothing to do with candy. But the problem being, all these incidents, you think Halloween, candy, poison, Mm -hmm. and the misattributed things like the police going crazy over nothing, or a bad sample being tested and coming back positive for cocaine or something. Right. And then a second test and subsequent tests say, actually, it was a contaminant. It's no problem. But that retraction does not get remembered. It's a pretty standard thing that almost everything we talk about on this podcast, that the retraction of a story never gets as much traction as the original that got out there. A lie can go around the world twice as fast and choose. A lie can go around the world before the truth gets its boots on. Exactly. I knew it had something to do with shoes. Boots are not shoes, sir. <laughs> Footwear. There we go. 
But yeah, so the idea that strangers are out there trying to poison your kids by handing out candy is one never been proved to happen. And I think the the most subversive part of this is that why it has stayed in the public consciousness is it's just so plausible. Sure. That one madman decides that they're going to inject all their snicker bars with cyanide or heroin or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but the the thing is though Overall, you kind of know who the weirdos of the neighbors are. As as a kid, you know who the weirdos are. Mm-hmm. And you tend not to go to their houses for trick-or-treat if they're even giving out candy. Exactly. Most of the people who don't like kids and don't want to be around kids, who might poison kids, don't want to keep their light on and don't want to hand out candy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on the I think it was the Snopes article, they included a cartoon depiction of this witch's coven. That basically was had all these needles and drugs ready and candy, and they're saying, oh, our Lord Satan is going to reward us for poisoning all these kids. The idea that, I mean, first of all, most people who are Wiccan or whatever are more just kind of nature-worshipping, want to dance around naked kind of people. They're not evil people trying to kill people. But the idea that there's enough people out there that are evil enough to try to do this, it's way blown out of proportion of just how many truly mean and evil people there are in the world yeah but i still remember like i said because you sure as hell wouldn't go to the christian fundamentalist house to get candy (laughs) on halloween no you'll get raisins you'll get raisins and probably a lecture yes and nobody wants that (laughs) (laughs) but i still remember to this day with my brother and i once we finished trick-or-treating at the end of the night we would take our pillowcases and dump them out on the living room floor And yeah, we would check our candy. We would basically look around itself, op- like lift the flap to see if someone had injected it, holes in yeah. there. We checked every single piece of candy. And then we did our horse trading where I tried to get as much Reese's peanut butter cups as I could. <laughs> they are delicious. Exactly. Right? But we did this every year and we never found anything. There's so many kids trick-or-treating every year and it just doesn't happen. So now you lead to things like... Parents deciding we're going to do trunk or treating where they basically take all their kids to a mutual parking lot and essentially tailgate out of their trunks. That's, to... It just totally ruins the whole thing. Exactly. Okay. But... I can understand like a parent during the day bringing their little kid to work to do some trick or treating around the office because they just don't have as much time. And it's a yeah. fun thing to do, bring the kid around, show him off. But – like give, having just a lock-in where everybody comes to the YMCA and is given candy there and that's it? Yeah. That's sad. It seems that the door-to-door scaring the kids, that's one thing that I used to like to do. And even on Halloween, I enjoyed the houses that would put the creepy things together and try and scare you, right? Mm-hmm. That was a big fun. And so when I got into my teens and then got into college – like my brother and my roommate and I, we set up a speaker system, and I had a an octaver which detuned the voice uh, a full octave, and we'd sit there and go, "Come on in, little kids," you know, <laughs> and you know we'd just frighten the kids. You know, if they were really small, we'd be kind of nice, and but like the eight to teenage, you know, or preteen type of stuff. You'd uh, maybe really six. trying to go for that piss in their pants moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we'd have people jump out and the whole thing. It was yeah. great. But it doesn't happen as much. I, it, on the other hand, I've only given away candy since I've been to my house twice because mainly I'm doing something else 
like this year I'll be doing something else, but I'll be at a party or whatever, you know, looking at the girls dressed up in sexy time, <laughs> which is a little bit different from when we dressed up like Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or, or no, no, never Luke Skywalker. I Okay. <laughs> I did Luke Skywalker because it was an easy costume because it was around the time Return of the Jedi came out. So black oh, pants, right. black I shirt, have, I am, uh, black hood, and yeah. one black glove. Ah, uh, see, so yeah. We were poor, and so my my Darth Vader costume, the face was actually aluminum foil. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> now, granted, the, the toy masks weren't quite as prevalent. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we As they are those, yeah. nowadays, but wow. Okay. I, I am glad that I never... What was big in the 80s was the basically plastic jumpsuit costume... With the plastic mask. Right. That were very obviously kind of a one-time only. You wore the hell out of it that one night and it was destroyed. Kind of maybe as Optimus Prime or My Little Pony yeah. kind of costumes. But I am very proud of my mom and my family that we never did a pre-bought costume. Yeah, I don't I don't know. If, uh, I think one. One year we could afford it, I guess. Mm -hmm. My parents bought the one. I remember having a mask that right. I couldn't I couldn't breathe in. <laughs> Probably a C three PO one actually. <laughs> when I think about it, but it, it's a it's a little bit different. It's in you know yeah. now, and maybe it's because we're older. But you had mentioned uh, earlier how the costumes have gotten have become more for females anyway. Oh, it's all sexy time, and well, I'm wondering if it's just because. We were too young at that time to pay attention to such things. That's true. I mean, <laughs> but I think in general, the culture has shifted for adults to have their own Halloween parties more nowadays than maybe they did way back when. Uh, I, again, but it... But, but it's a good kind of Mardi Gras excuse for adults to let down their hair and have some fun, sexy time. Yeah, but I'm thinking again, I mean... You and I, at least, were in households with parents. True. With two parents. And so, therefore, the parents were with the kids, right? So, we were not invited to the adult <laughs> parties. And certainly on Halloween night, my parents did the, at least all the way up. One would hand out the candy. The other one would take you around the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, you know, till about 8.30 or 9. And then, boom, that's it. Who knows what happened after you sugar crashed and went <laughs> or, to sleep. Or later that weekend or yeah. something like that. Exactly. The important thing to me is I am glad a holiday like Halloween has started to really truly become associated with adult-themed parties where adults can be adults and can express their sexuality and have some fun with it. Basically fighting against that puritanical kind of american oh we just don't deal with sex at least it's at least one day like i said mardi gras where people can go a little wild and speaking of going wild apparently along with the whole you go to someone's house and they're going to give you a snickers bar injected with cyanide kind of scare <laughs> is the I, I don't know if it's new in the last 10 or 20 years but the i think it's new scare that Sexual predators are going to get you on Halloween. I think there was always a fear of the kidnapping. Yeah. Of kids getting but, grabbed. I mean, because it happens. It's so much easier when kids are in costume. That that was the whole idea. And to me, I think the fear is overblown because everyone's looking out for it. 
on that on that night, worst time you could possibly kidnap a kid. True, but well, actually, that's not true because if you kidnap the kids because like ah yeah, you just think oh uh, uh, this kid doesn't want to go home or the weird thing is is the idea is that you have to be worried about the sexual predator in your neighborhood down the street or whatever. You should check the registry before you go. Or sexual predators who are on the on the list are supposed to put a sign up in their window saying no candy at this house, not turn on their lights, not be allowed to decorate their house at all, or that sort of thing. It goes along the lines of that sexual predators are out to get you. Where yeah, most right. sexual predators are maybe someone who basically grab someone's ass at work or date rape or something like that. They're yeah. not necessarily all child predators. Oh, that's a good So point. Yeah. anybody who's on the sex offender list is not going to kidnap and rape your little kid. Oh. And also... Is not necessarily going to. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween, people have always gone around in groups. Even if you've got basically a group of 10 kids without an adult, which doesn't happen as much anymore, but... You have this group of 10 kids running around in a group trick-or-treating together. Then they're not being culled from the herd alone. So the idea of going up to a stranger's house with 10 other kids and somehow he's able to, because it's always a he, overpower all 10 of these kids. Or that some guy's going to be driving around in a van, opening the van and say, hey, kid, you want some candy? To the (laughs) one kid by themselves. Right. It just doesn't quite follow logic for all those reasons. And also the main reason that over 90% of child molestations and abuse happens by people they know and 50% are by their parents. Yeah, there's 50% by priests. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. Well, priests would be people they know. And most of them are named father. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I get it. But yeah, the whole poison candy thing and... The be aware of sexual predators is all tied together in the stranger danger of you can't trust anymore. Well, true, but a fear with with the whole sexual predator thing, uh, fear is not rational, right? True. And so it would make sense that people are a little bit, I wouldn't say even over the top, but certainly during Halloween to be fearful. It is the night of fear after all. <laughs> well, there's a difference between... Like I said, making sure that your kid is going around with a group of 10 kids and that they stick together and they tick the buddies and the whole thing. The idea of there's some – there was an article on the Huffington Post about manufacturing fear, Halloween laws for sex offenders, and the idea that there are some dozen places in this country, probably more that you don't hear about, are trying to put in ordinances, like I said, about making people – put a sign in their window saying no candy here or making a law that you can't do trick or treating or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's, which it's, is, you know, the it problem is that they're I, I, trying to make laws on no evidence. Right. And also it's even more, more shaming than some of them deserve. Yes. Right. For example, a guy was convicted of statutory rape because he had sex with his year younger girlfriend i think he was 17 and she was 16 or, or something, something like, like that. that and so he's on the sexual predator list for something that really had nothing to do with it was fully consensual yeah. it was just within the letter of the law that there were enough 
yeah, time the, the apart parents, in their birthdays. Yeah, and the parents got really mad, and the parents didn't like him. So this guy suddenly has to put, for being a kind of a stupid guy, I suppose, but 17, 16, whatever, you're not the, the smartest person in the <laughs> Well, the that's world. besides the point. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, this guy's on this registry for the rest of his life yeah. for something that really has nothing to do with what sexual predation is. The the idea <laughs> of that all quote unquote sexual predators from basically the child rapist or uh, what's his Alito the guy who kidnapped the three women in yeah, Cleveland know. yeah I know um, you know full on like disturbing dungeon people like that who are kidnapping right. people are on the same level of someone who has to go on the sex offender list because they're nineteen the girlfriend is eighteen. Right. Or, or 17 and three quarters or something like right. that, that it's all on the same level takes me back to what we were talking about half an hour ago about GMOs, about <laughs> basically saying that all GMOs are evil no matter right. what, where, yeah, there are going to be some genetically modified foods that are gene spliced and are not good. Most of the time, those aren't going to be the ones that make it to market. But the idea that we're going to label everything that's ever been possibly gene modified from you get one stalk of wheat that is slightly modified to produce more vitamin D as compared to you get a another stalk of wheat that's been genetically modified so it has feet and glows in the dark. There's a big difference between that kind of genetic modification. Right. Well, I was going to say, once you start saying, oh, if it's modified, then you have to label everything. Exactly. And the, uh, <laughs> the bigger point is I have trouble with broad labels like sexual offenders or whatever – and the problem is that this broad labeling is a problem for putting in these ordinances that don't make a lot of sense because there's not a lot of incidents of kids being attacked on right. Halloween. One, because people are being more vigilant, but also because that's just not how all sexual predators work right. under that umbrella. But so you, it, the problem is legislating on bad information and spreading the stranger danger fear and perpetuating the problem and perpetuating the people are going to poison your candy and stuff like that. Sure. But if you, if they pass the law, a politician can say, see, I'm keeping your family safer. Yeah, that's true. And it just, <laughs> it, it just renews the cycle for the next year of, well, someone put this law in place so that must have been there was an incident. Right. Which meant that, well, then I'm going to assume that is true and I'm going to perpetuate the yeah, idea. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't a problem. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not a problem. People are just trying to pretend to be proactive and stuff like that. Right. And yeah, it's a solution looking for a problem pretty much. But other than kids being stolen away, which doesn't happen. What about candy being stolen away? Yes. This is a much more lighthearted story. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we need lighthearted because Speaking of poison candy and rapists is bad. Yeah, exactly. This is more about just parents being... Parents being evil. No, not no, not even you... evil. Just kind of a little douchey. Okay. You say douchey, I say evil. And from, from a six-year-old perspective, evil. Well, yeah. But, okay, because <laughs> uh, the headline on this is... Talking about stealing candy from babies. Literally. And that's got a lot of connotation where, okay, babies aren't trick-or-treating. 
And the, the story is about a survey that was done by the National Confectioners Association. Of course. About adults and their kids' Halloween candy. Apparently, 7 of 10 adults in this nation, or at least 7 of 10 adults that were surveyed, they surveyed about 1,300 people, break into the Halloween candy before Halloween. Oh. And that's pretty standard. If Yeah. As anyone knows, if you have candy... Mounds of candy that you're playing and giving away just well, not everybody there. likes mounds. Some people prefer almond joy. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah, I'm not even gonna go there. A lot of candy is just calling out to you. You put that much chocolate and treats together, it creates a sentience that says "eat me," and it's just so easy to just grab one and exactly move on and come back. And yeah, but the interesting thing is they ask some other questions, and apparently, eight out of ten parents steal candy from their kids halls from halloween night mm -hmm. so and and a lot of them steal it when the kid is asleep or at school yeah well i mean you don't want to steal it while they can uh, pay attention <laughs> there may be good reason to do it because perhaps they didn't go into reasons because i think one good reason was you don't want the kid to always be treating up <laughs> right and two sugar bad for the teeth rotting teeth and stuff well a responsible parent who's worried about that could basically take the candy and say, all right, we're going to put this up in this bowl up here on the shelf. And when you get home from school, you get one. That's After dinner, work. you get another one. <laughs> so much easier just to take it. And eventually it's all gone. Okay, fine. <laughs> I would not be one of those parents. I don't believe, I don't believe my parents ever did that. I don't recall missing candy. Well, that's the thing. You get a pillowcase full of candy. You may not notice that you had 12 Reese's peanut butter cups in there. I swear we're not being supported by Reese's this week. Or Mars. Yes, exactly. But if you know you have 12 of Candy Bar X in your pillowcase, mm -hmm. you most kids don't know that. They don't count that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe with I, Reese's peanut we, butter cups. Because we go – my brothers and I – I think my oldest brother – taught us this you go through and you mark down what you have <laughs> really okay i never got quite that anal retentive but yeah i mean i would horse trade with my brother and i was fairly equitable about that i wasn't equitable about a lot of other stuff but that's because i always wanted to win at nintendo but occasionally i would say well you know i don't like baby ruth here mom you can have all my baby ruths that's not the same as mom coming through and taking one of my reese's peanut butter cups exactly but apparently there's a gender difference in here that 84% of women reported that they would take candy. Okay. 74% of men said that they would or okay. had. So apparently there's a gender difference. I'm not, not sure much. why. Yeah. Well, it's not a big I know. It's 1,300 people in 84 versus 74. I think if you revert to the mean, everybody's lying. Well, they, they actually said that they had a margin of error of 2.7 percentage points. So it's statistical difference. Yeah. But I'm not sure why that would be a big deal. But it's interesting the morals of taking candy from a baby. That's supposed to be a bad thing, but it seems that most adults do it. Well, there's that saying, whoever says it's like taking candy from a baby has never taken candy from a baby. Right. And they're not really taking it from a baby. They're taking it from kids who are away at school. True. 
Because homeschoolers. <laughs> There's a big difference between a kid has a candy bar in their hand and trying to take it away from them. Right. As opposed to the bowl is sitting in their room. As opposed to I pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you little kid, don't. <laughs> well, there was a professor, Alfonso Abazade, who is a obesity researcher at Carleton University. And he was saying that a lot of this may come from the adults now have all grown up having done Halloween as a kid. Mm-hmm. So all the frou-frou of halloween the costumes the decorations and everything make it more likely that adults now want to still have that candy experience from halloween so that's why they don't feel as problematic about just taking a piece of candy i don't think so i i think that's it that's it, just it, trying to rationalize it i I think that he did kind of rationalize it with a Pavlovian kind of response. Parents have always taken candy. (laughs) I don't think it's anything new. I don't think it's, oh, uh, kids never grew up. And so as adults, (laughs) they want to do this. I think it's just when you were a kid, you didn't know about the other parties. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I could be wrong about this. But it's true, but the idea, people are people. <laughs> this this survey shows just how many parents are willing to take Halloween candy from their kids. But let's rephrase the issue just slightly. How many parents are willing to take money out of their kids' piggy banks? Huh. It's the same thing, taking something that your kids value away from them without their knowing it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like more adults are willing to do it with candy maybe because it was just given to the kids freely and there's just so much of it. It's hard to tell in the mixture, just how many pixie sticks have been taken away. Yeah. But it's kind of like the Pope giving away his Harley. (laughs) Yeah. That story kind of pissed you off this week. (laughs) Yeah. But because the kids were given candy, the Pope was given a Harley Davidson and now he's making a big deal about auctioning it off. It's not a big friggin' deal. (laughs) <laughs> okay and and with the candy i mean it's just candy it's not like it's a rare resource <laughs> you know money is a rare resource but it's still stealing from the child no well yes of course it is but candy is easily replaceable <laughs> in some form or another and as you say generally speaking they're not going to notice candy because candy isn't currency i mean even amongst kids well no that's not tri- true candy is currency amongst kids Hmm. I was going to make that point if yeah. I could get a word in edgewise, no. but you made it for well, me. Well, you've been talking this entire time. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, you noticed that, did you? I had nothing to say. Well, I, you've been away for a couple of weeks. I was more yeah. in the groove already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's the difference between money versus food, basically. Mm-hmm. And food that isn't a nutritious food. And so from a from an adult point of view... It's easier to rationalize. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. a dollar is... A, you can go out and do lots of stuff. A kid can do lots of stuff with it. Or at least, well, they used to be able to. Now he can't hardly get bazooka bubblegum. Yeah, but you could still trade candy for something. From yeah, someone. but... I'll give you half my Halloween candy if I can have your baseball mitt or... But, but again... Something like that. But again, it's it's better... If a kid said, oh, I noticed that you took my baby Ruth, where are my baby Ruths? By that time, you would probably know if your kid would or would not notice such mm-hmm. a thing. 
I just think of it like that ethical dilemma test that they use a lot for determining the ethics with the the train line and would you flick a switch to you know, but one no, person versus five I think, people. I think this is different because – But it's, it's – I think it's in the same way because it's the same issue if you had a parent taking a dollar's worth of candy from a kid's candy bowl versus a dollar from their piggy bank. It's the same amount. But I'm, for some reason, the ethics of the situation are different because it's candy and it was given free and maybe the kid won't notice it as much versus – it's a dollar and it has more, like you said, tradable value. And it's more yeah. that it's an interesting thing to me that it's the same moral dilemma of stealing from a child. But depending on how you couch the question, it's more rationalizable in our culture one way versus the other. And that that's why it's a fascinating thing to me that so many adults are willing to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, stealing is stealing. As you say, but but usually are... in our culture, the big thing is thou shalt not steal. Okay. But I'm sure plenty of these 1,300 Americans that were surveyed, plenty of these are Christians, and they're stealing anyway, and they're rationalizing it away. Plenty yeah. of them are probably atheists too. Yeah, but there is a, a parental advisory thing where you could possibly, again, rationalize it yeah. as that too much candy is a bad for a kid, and kids don't usually have the self-control necessary. Yeah. Now, as you say, rationing the candy would be a better choice, but... Then you get know. cries from Michelle Bachman of socialism and stuff like that. Of That's a good point. Yeah, you can't do rationing that. Rationing candy. It's much better to, to steal it honorably <laughs> and then maybe put your kids on a reservation, for <laughs> example. Next, we're going to see on Freewood Post a posting about Michelle Bachman steals children's candy. Steals <laughs> candy. Gives him... Gives them smallpox-laden uh, <laughs> blankets. Handing out candy is socialism. <laughs> how, did, how did I get – it suddenly have me equating that to, <laughs> to Native Americans. How horrible. Yeah, anyway. I, your brain went a weird place <laughs> there, but over two and a half years, I'm kind of used to that. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else we got here? So one of the things that I never ate when I was given candy was the popcorn balls. I never liked those, the caramel popcorn balls. Okay, was but, it like because it was a homemade thing giving you saran wrapped and you didn't trust it? It was a little bit of trust, but I think the, the first time I got it, it was just nasty. So but, you had this conditioned response the first time you had yeah. a caramel popcorn ball thing. Yeah, it was just blech. But speaking about popcorn, there was a study done about mm -hmm. popcorn and advertising. And we've been doing a lot of advertising today as well. <laughs> for, Lots of name brands this week. For free. Why don't you go listen to the Skeptics Guide and Geologic Podcast and Skepticality <laughs> while you're at it, while we're advertising all this other stuff. Yeah. Hey, you know what I like to do? I like to listen to something that's a paid service that you get for free once if you sign up for, I don't know what that's called, um, listenable or something. Uh, uh Audible.com <laughs> or Squarespace.com, which is right. advertising a lot of podcasts. AdamandEve.com, which advertises on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> exactly. But you know, you know, my, my my favorite is Books on Morse, which is Morse code books. <laughs> You're shitting me, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man, that's a great Stephen King novel. You, you, you never, you never really appreciate horror until it's beeped into your head. 
<laughs> dot dash dash dot. How do I know if this is a book on Morse code or a book that was read by Beaker from the Muppets? Exactly. Or maybe it's your tape player going bad and it's just starting to squeak. <laughs> squeak. Squeak. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> You were talking popcorn. about the popcorn study. Popcorn. So I think you posted this yes. uh, about the popcorn. The idea is that having your mouth move while advertisements are going will keep you from paying attention or remembering the advertisements because there's a thing that we do subconsciously, which when we see something or hear a name or a word of something, we will unconsciously mouth that word or that name we'll sub vocalize it or something sub that's a very good one or we're and, listening to a song and we are kind of singing along in our head and our vocal cords are kind of doing something exactly. at the time i know i do this all the time especially when i listen to my own stuff i'm going god that's flat so they were kind of testing this and so they gave in the first group they gave about half of them popcorn to eat and they gave the other half of this group uh, little sugar cubes and then they brought them into a lecture hall and they showed them advertisements on screens and so they couldn't see each other's screens but they were a randomized sample of the same type of commercial of, and the, of real and, and the important thing in this study is these were products that did exist in the real world right. but the participants could not be familiar with it at all these are all german participants and it, the thing that just made me chuckle, and I can tell it's making Gary chuckle as well, one of the examples they gave was one of the products was a Scandinavian butter called Lurpak. <laughs> actually, that's that's not what I'm laughing at. Okay. You, you, you skipped over the part that actually made me laugh because when we talk about studies, especially small studies like this, we inevitably talk about the cohorts in the study. And you, being a psychologist undergraduate, are always saying, yeah, most of these studies are – psychology students yes well in this case every single person was a psychology yes. student and so it made me laugh that in both of these groups the only people they could possibly get to go see a movie or to <laughs> do this were psychology students which to me really skews the data because psychology students know that they're being tested on something well that's true you, I mean, every time you're going to be coming into a study you're going to know that something is up the idea right. of psychology is to hide that. Uh, so give someone a survey else. of 100 yeah. questions where it's only five of those you really care about. Right. Makes so sense. they do try to fool it. The big problem with psychology being the study of Psych 101 students, it's all kind of mostly affluent, educated kids right. about 18 to 20. And the the reason why it happens is at least at school I went to in a lot of United States schools is freshman 101 students in psychology get course credit. They're required to participate in three or four studies of upperclassmen or the professors. Exactly. So it is this captive audience where they're required and it's just an easy subject pool. And yes, it is problematic at best. In addition to having a small study, it's all the same age. It's in, in the same mentality. Yeah, but uh, it kind of, I mean, it, it, at least in this situation insane. where you've got a base, just short of 100 people where they're showing half of the, all of them, the commercials, half of them are eating and half of them are just sucking on some sugar. Right. At least all these kids are similar in cohort group. Sure. So they're removing variables that this way. This is true. This is true. But it doesn't mean you can 
generalize to the greater population, but you can see maybe if there's an effect there to make a bigger study later on. Sure. Okay. And in this case, they actually did show a pretty good effect that the people who chewed the popcorn really had no remembrance of the products or had no recognition of the products. Now, interestingly enough, in this experiment, they used basically a lie detector type of test to determine recognition. Huh. I thought they were just asked to rate the products. Yes. They, and if they could remember them or not, that was kind of the determination. Yes, but they, I think it was the first, it may have been the second experiment. Uh, electrodermal activity were, hmm. were given to the students, which is basically measuring skin conductance, which is hmm. pretty much what the lie detector does. And so what they're saying is that half of the kids were chosen to presented images of all 36 products for 10 seconds each while the electrodermal activity was assessed. Basically, they didn't ask them any judgmental questions. They just looked at the screen. Which so is they kind saw of, if there was some emotional response to the image of the product. Exactly. Which hopefully meant that they remembered it. Right. And not what, not that Scandinavian and butter Lupac was just a scary thing in and of itself. <laughs> right. So what they found out, though, was that all the people that sucked on their sugar cubes had a reaction. And with the exception of two people overall, the other people did not. Hmm. So it's, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> hmm. But the a second experiment was actually in a cinema. And then a week later, they gave these people one euro chips, which interestingly, some of them had, they, they were using German products and some of the one euro chips had German things, on, uh, German faces on the back of the German chancellor or whoever it is that they have. Well, the, like the euros all have the same tail side, but the head side is different per country or something yeah, like that. I believe that's correct. And then, so they determined that the people, they, they went into a shop and they had to donate to certain charities that were shown in the theater. It, a week later, they were given four euros, and they had to donate to a charity, and then they had to purchase something. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, what's the word? It kind of forced. It's not like they're yeah. going into a shop and just being allowed to do whatever. They're going into a shop and saying, you have to do this. Again, with a psychology experiment, there's only so much you can do to no, hide the absolutely, fact. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's all going to be artificial in some way. Exactly. But you, if you get a big enough effect, which maybe these people did, well, that's, you can that's, see that's something. Well, that's the point, is they did show an effect. So now they broke it up between half the people having popcorn, quarter of the people having tasteless gum, just gum. So they're just moving their mouths, and the other one just having uh, the control group. And it turns out that there was a big effect – for the popcorn, again, no brand recognition that they could discern. The people who chewed tasteless gum also had an effect. It didn't seem to be quite as effective as the popcorn. Because you're chewing and not having the swallowing and talking and subvocalizing involves right. the throat. Right. So chewing the popcorn and eating it involves the whole system where chewing the gum yeah. just kind of is just are your mandibles working yeah exactly and that was one of the things that they said they didn't think that the that that would have an effect so it did and so they were a little bit surprised by that but and not then, as big but not as big well it, there were certain things grain of salt this is still only a couple hundred people or a hundred people yeah, 100 yeah. people yeah 
It says, while control participants showed more positive attitudes for and were more likely to spend money on previously advertised compared to new products that I hadn't seen before, participants who had eaten popcorn or chewed gum did not show advertising effects. They had unconscious physiological responses of skin conductance level were affected. So, apparently, you, if you don't want to be affected by advertising, just chew some gum. <laughs> or maybe or talk to somebody. Yeah. Or, you know what? Ignore the advertising. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, the at least the BBC article that I read about this, went into a lot of, well, maybe advertisers are going to want to try to ban people from eating food in the movie theaters. <laughs> exactly. or, or, you know, stuff like that. And, I mean, that's all fine and good. And they're saying, well that there have been previous advertising studies that said that if you are eating, that it supports advertising effects or something like that. And I think the real difference here is that these were unfamiliar products. Yeah. So if Some you've never seen the name Lurpak Butter from Scandinavia, I just love that name. If you've never seen that name before and you're too busy chewing or swallowing or whatever – to subvocalize and rehearse the name, then you're going to forget the name and the advertisement is going to work. But if you're in a theater and you see an advertisement for Coca-Cola, right. everybody knows Coca-Cola. It's just reminding your brain, drink Coca-Cola, drink right. Coca-Cola, drink Coca-Cola. You know, the hypno toad is telling you, eat, <laughs> have our product. Right. But if it's a new product that you've never heard before, you, your brain doesn't get the subvocalization to remember the word itself right. and you don't remember the product which is a problem that i have had my entire life not with advertised products but with people's names yeah yeah i very quickly forgets people's names and i think a lot of it has to do with i don't rehearse the name in my head a couple times after i've met them i don't do a mnemonic device of yeah. trying to remember so you know i think it's weird on the names of people that i do remember <laughs> Because there's a lot of people – there's some people I meet whose names I just get, and I, I couldn't even tell you why. Uh, and then there's other people that it's just like if, in one year, out the other. I agree, Norman. Exactly. Fortuna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyways, it it's kind of an interesting – very small study, but it's interesting the reason why they think that this works is because of the mouth mnemonic, like you said uh, – the vocal subvocalization, so that's kind of cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, Oreos. What about Oreos? We got anything on Oreos? Oh, that's right. They're supposed to be more addicting than cocaine. Oreos are addictive, and they will destroy your brain, like heroin and cocaine. Yeah, I read that study too. So, out in Connecticut College, there's a neuroscience professor, Joseph Schroeder, who I guess, along with some undergraduates, put together a study testing rats in a maze so pretty standard scientific study you've got rats in a maze and they have to chase to find something yay on one side of the maze they have rice cakes boo on the other side of the maze they have oreos yay <laughs> <laughs> okay and let me guess the rats have to choose which one they like better yes essentially. Well, i wonder what would happen if they put humans in the maze <laughs> <laughs> especially this human the the rats were basically allowed to run free in this maze and choose which side they want to spend as much time on as they felt like it 
So the rating here was saying, okay, they spent 75% of their time on the Oreo side versus 10% on the rice cake side. How is this even like shocking? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the the thing they did is they also did a another test right after that where, okay, this gets a little weird. The rats could go on one side of the maze and get an injection of saline solution where on the other side of the maze, they got an injection of cocaine or morphine. <laughs> So the rats because wanted to spend more time on the side of the maze with the cocaine and the morphine than they did on the saline solution side. Similarly, the rats, different rats, wanted to stay on the side of the maze that had Oreos versus the side of the maze that had rice cakes. Okay. So therefore, Oreos are as addictive as morphine and cocaine. According to a headline. Yes, that's how right. all the stories are being couched. And now let me ask yeah. you this. What were they trying to study with this? Because it seems to me that good people uh, animals like good things and not bad things and they will choose the good things over the bad things. That's it doesn't okay. All that's doing yeah. is saying rats like Oreos better than rice cakes and and rats prefer an injection of code of morphine and or cocaine versus an injection of something that does nothing. Exactly the problem with all the headlines <laughs> are about this story. And that's really what it comes down to is that it's just saying that rats prefer sides where they get pleasurable things. Yeah. And we know and, and exactly like you said, we know that. <laughs> it's like it's like a non my guess is they had a maze, they had some rats, they had to figure out something yeah. to do with them. The scientists did a lot of extra scientific-y stuff in that they looked at the expression of a protein in the part of the brain that is important for pleasure and for positive reinforcement. Okay. And they found that the levels of those proteins in Oreo-oriented rats was similar as the cocaine and morphine-oriented rats in that going to those sides stimulated the pleasure and essentially potential for addiction centers of the brain. Well, because that reward and pleasure center is where we see brain effects from addiction. Okay. See, granted, I'm not a biologist, <laughs> but it seems to me, okay, they're, they're looking at how the protein in the brain responds to a pleasurable versus a different response. It's obvious that Oreos give a pleasure, mm -hmm. but Without necessarily the physically addicting effects of, say, I want to say codeine, but it's morphine and cocaine. Yes. So all that is to me is it's kind of like saying, okay, the brain going, this is the pleasure response mm -hmm. that I give. And therefore, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's pleasurable, I'm going to give out this protein. Right. We we talked earlier about Pavlov responses. Yeah. We, we want – we're conditioned to want – sugary sweet things or go to places where we feel good. Right. And the thing is other studies have been done and shown that people who are progressive overeaters tend to get a tolerance kind of like alcoholics or drug addicts do. They need more and more to feel that good feeling from the food. They also have shown that sometimes people who are food addicts have kind of a withdrawal response after they've stopped having chocolate or something like that. It is nowhere near the level of 
morphine and cocaine. I am sorry, but the idea that Oreos <laughs> as addictive as cocaine, yes, food and food pleasure can be an addictive problem. Sure. I know that. I have that problem. <laughs> that problem is why I never started cocaine. <laughs> Because I know that's an even worse thing. Right. But I know that as neat as Oreos are, I can live without it. And you can certainly rationalize putting them down. <laughs> of course, I'm going to pick them straight back well, up again. Well, sure. But, <laughs> but, I mean, it's a process. I, sometimes, I, yeah. I go through phases like this where, for example, the sugar I had. Like, I'll, I'll buy the thing of Jelly Bellies or je Jelly Babies, yeah. whatever they are. I'll basically just go right through them. And mm -hmm. then I won't eat them. I won't go out and buy them for, for months yeah. and months at a time, right? But while they're in the house, I'm just like, oh, yeah, here's a handful. You know, here's another handful. Because mm -hmm. we like those sugary, pleasurable things. And we, as human beings, as as animals, we have a weakness for that. As we see with rats and humans that we have a weakness for tasty things or addictive things. And we are going to succumb to that, but... The idea that Oreos are as addictive as cocaine, that is a big problem with the article, all the articles splashing around on this. Yeah, it, it goes back to something that we, we sort of, every once in a while, come up with, uh, read beyond the headlines. Exactly. And if <laughs> because, you can, find the original story, exactly. the original story. Because as we just showed with the popcorn thing, BBC got it wrong. They got the general point of it right, but they got... Details some, wrong, yeah, and the gist wrong. of it was quite, not quite as strong as maybe they pointed it out to be. It's not yeah. like having popcorn will make you immune from all advertising. It's a very specific type of advertising right. in a theater if you're unfamiliar with the product and you're told to stare at the screen as opposed to eat popcorn and chat with someone who's sitting right. next to you right. at a natural movie theater environment. So Yeah, and yeah, there's a bacon makes you live longer – Right thing and and that, that was flatworms or roundworms or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, it was like they made, <laughs> they live ten percent longer, which however long that is in flatworm, like that doesn't that doesn't it's ten minutes longer. It doesn't translate. Yeah. And it, and it was really just looking at the niacin chemical. I think it's B three yeah or something like that. And yes, that is in bacon and in several other foodstuffs. But that doesn't mean that gorging on bacon will make you live longer. There was another article that I posted to the Facebook page about bacon will make your sperm less swimmy and right. less big because of processed meat. Well, that may be not the bacon itself, but all the salt and all the fillers and preservatives put exactly. onto it. There's all sorts of other stuff going on here with <laughs> Oreos being addictive, with popcorn disrupting your advertising, with – whether or not you believe that someone is going to poison your ch child on Halloween or someone's going to kidnap yeah. your child on Halloween oh. or if a Halloween candy is GMO modified or if Michelle Bachman said she wanted to ban Halloween or if it's Grant Hamahara's birthday. Holy shit, I'm going back in time. Well, that pretty much sums it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should wrap up here. Yeah, yes, definitely. See, should, should I go through that? No, we shouldn't wrap up. This isn't our Christmas episode. Oh, we should slit our own throats because it's Halloween. No, 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 Gary, Gary back <laughs> it up. Back it up. Oh, what? Somewhere between those two. Oh. Well, um, I was going to wrap it up, but you kind of did the Back to the Future thing where you went 
backwards. We went all timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Sorry about stealing your thunder. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. That just encouraged you to come back next week and participate in the podcast and take back your territory and take i'm taking it back <laughs> well i'd rather use the metaphor of taking back your territory as opposed to marking your territory oh well you you know i've been peeing on the corner of your house every time i leave for the last on the outside sure uh-oh <laughs> damn you've been blaming harpo for that haven't you <laughs> All right, so I guess, uh, th I guess, I guess thanks for joining us. <laughs> Gary, stop insulting the listeners. <laughs> so thanks for joining us this week. Uh, how do I do this? I don't remember. <laughs> Thank you, Gary, for joining me. And Oh, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Craig, for joining <laughs> I've forgotten everything. It's Clearly. It's amazing. It's amazing how I'm even get. But this has not been a forgettable episode. So <laughs> thank you for joining us all for episode 133 of the Skeptic Wire podcast. Absolutely. Have a happy Halloween and safe Halloween. And we'll talk with you guys next week. And I think I keep on hitting the table. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just think that you are doing that. <laughs> it's telekinesis. Uh, just like Carrie. Okay. Um, and I saw him. All right, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Good job, Gary. Good job. Oh. <laughs> the Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Basically, ever since I was a kid, the idea of Halloween being... <laughs> Surreptitiously trying to eat, <laughs> leaning back from the microphone, <laughs> hoping that I won't notice, and staring at me askance from the side of your eyes. Like, I hope you don't see me. Taking furtive looks at the microphone. <laughs> Oops. I don't know if it will hear me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Such weird. Okay. Well, uh... Poisoning. Poisoning. So ever since I was a kid, when you went trick or treat, when when you went trick or treat Halloweening, <laughs> hallow hallowed treating. <laughs> yes. So basically, since fuck damn, start again. Yes, I'm trying to. <laughs> Back when we were kids. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, damn it, I've called the dog over. <laughs> so basically, since... <laughs> Go away, Harpo. I know. Go away. Go away.
Go on. Shoo, down. Good girl. And they did a lot of extra scientific stuff in that they anal analyzed. <laughs> so suddenly the rats are humans and the, uh, the, rats, the scientists are aliens. <laughs> the rats stayed on the side of the maze where they got annually penetrated more often than the side of the maze where... See, now that's an interesting <laughs> uh, study. <laughs> Ooh, that was a Freudian penis. Um... Where the fuck was I? Uh, you're talking about an analysis, yeah. I think. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs>